0: If you have a Bible and you want to turn with me, I'm reading from John chapter 21. John chapter 21, I'll read from verse 10. while you're turning to that, let me just say if you are of Generation X age, which I think could become... Fairly wide. Um, if you have attended Generation X recently, would you just raise your hands? If you would look around and see the age group of those people, that will give you an idea whether or not you fit. On Friday, the 4th of May, they have a barn dance. And so if you want more information, if you see Jules or uh, Maxi, they'll give you the details. John chapter 21. Let me read from verse 10. Jesus has met his disciples from the beach, asked them to throw out their net on the other side, and in verse 10 he says, bring some of the fish you have just caught. And Simon Peter climbed aboard and he dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them and he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, and he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. This was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. If you'll forgive me, I'm still In the Easter season and so a few weeks before they had been thrilled with excitement they were talking about the positions that they might have when he came into his kingdom he rode into the city to the acclaim of the crowds the crowds came out to meet him the crowds crowds lined the streets along the way it seemed so filled with possibility and potential, and then it all went wrong. He was arrested, he's handed over to the chief priests, he's crucified, and he dies. Yet, even then, they have news. He's risen, and there's a roller coaster of emotions that take place following the resurrection. Just reading through the Gospels, the chronology of emotions is expressed like this. Fear, joy, worship, doubt, bewilderment, lack of faith, stubborn refusal to believe. Loss of hope, amazement. There's a whole range of emotions going on for the disciples who followed Christ after the resurrection. And then he starts to talk about this incredibly positive future that this has happened. According to what was written in the Scriptures. And they're going to enter into a future where there is forgiveness of sins preached in His name to all nations. But they're to wait in the city till they receive power from on high. And in the midst of all of that, Jesus appears to them again, I've chosen to speak from here this morning because it seems a little bit like a journey many of you might be familiar with, great expectations and then significant, significant disappointment and it all seems to go wrong. And then in the aftermath of that, a roller coaster of mixed emotions of all sorts. And now, as a church, you stand on the threshold of an incredible future. Malcolm Duncan is coming to be your pastor. And it's really real now. Because he's moved from England and he's actually located himself here and he's even come to church this morning. This is really happening. And the disciples, having gone through a roller coaster of emotions with a prospect of a significant future in front of them. Jesus appears to them for a third time. He'd appeared on that first day. He appeared again a week later specifically for Thomas. And now, sometime after, so about now in the chronology of things, he appears to them a third time. He has the most fundamental question imaginable for Peter. Peter, do you truly love me more than all of these? I'll leave you to wrestle with the, what the more than is. Is it more than the fishing boats and the fishing tackle that he had returned to? Is it more than that way of life that he appeared to have gone back to? Or is it because of the statement that Peter had made, though all offend you, though all desert you, I will never forsake you. He had thought he was better than the rest. And was Jesus now asking him? But what's clear is Jesus is asking him, Do you truly love me? And he's asking how much? More than. Am I the priority of your affections? And Peter says, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And again, Jesus says... Peter, do you love me? Peter says, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus says, take care of my sheep. And then Jesus asks the question again. It's a third time, and Peter's hurt. He's offended by the fact that Jesus has to ask the third time. Jesus takes no notice of his offense. He doesn't say, "Sorry, I I didn't mean to make you feel bad." Listen, Peter, I may have overstepped the mark with that final question. Jesus completely ignores the fact that Peter's hurt because what he's concerned about is to make a particular point. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Let me take a moment just to say to you this morning, the prosperity of your soul matters to Jesus. He cares today about where you are. What matters most to him, more than anything else, is do you love me? He's already appeared privately to Peter. After Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene and the women, he appeared to Peter. What's interesting is there's absolutely no record of the conversation that goes on when this public failure meets Jesus privately. But he's already appeared privately to Peter. And then he's appeared to Peter in the upper room with the others. He's appeared to him again the following week when he's appeared to Thomas. Peter's with the disciples, he's heard about the purpose, but Jesus is concerned about the condition of Peter's soul. Do you love me? And I want you to be aware this morning, he's concerned about the condition of your soul. This church is walking forward in the purpose of God, into a significant future. But as the church walks into a significant future, if you're broken, if you're hurting, if you're in pain, the condition of your soul matters to Jesus. He's turned up on the beach, all the disciples are there, but the conversation he's having is with one man. How is that one man doing? This morning in this crowd, Jesus knows everything about your situation and he is concerned for the condition of your soul. So much so, he spoke to somebody earlier today who came in and said, I believe God's given me a word to give to two people, so I'm going to ask them to share it with you now because he cares about the condition that you're in.
1: God led a scripture on my heart. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. And God very clearly said to me, I feel God said to me, There's somebody here this morning. These are two separate messages. There's somebody here this morning and you're struggling. You're really struggling with the things of life. And they're coming in upon you and you feel like you're about to break and you're blaming God and you think God is going to break you in this. And God wants you to know this morning that he will never break you. He wants you to know that he wants to comfort you he wants to strengthen you by his spirit and he wants to build you up he will never break you stop being angry at God and run to him for comfort for healing for power to walk this life and the second part is a smoldering wick he will not snuff out And I feel God is saying that there's someone here who was on fire for God, really on fire for God. And you've become very cold. But the reason you've become cold is because you've been trying to do it in your own strength. And God wants you to know this morning that he wants to give you that fuel again. And that fuel is the Holy Spirit. And he wants to infill you again and again and again. You've removed yourself from the fire of fellowship. You've removed yourself because you think God is disappointed in you. And God wants to tell you this morning, he's not disappointed in you. He wants to fan that flame again.
0: The condition of your soul always matters to him. And if through either of those word pictures that scripture is speaking to your heart, turn, find grace in him again. Do you love me? That's the fundamental question before they press into this new future, before Peter has opportunities to see God work mightily in the transformation of people's lives, Jesus wants to know, do you love me? More than anything else, How you love him matters to him. When he looks at the church in Ephesus, a church that is busy, that doesn't tolerate false doctrine, that is working hard, he has a primary issue with them. You have forgotten your first love. And it's so important to Jesus, he says, if you don't repent and do the things you did at first, if you don't get back to your first love, I'm going to take the candlestick away from you. Because that's not a proper representation of my relationship with my people. When he looks at a church that's lukewarm, it's not all right. Because he's looking for people who love him. And that's his passionate concern. And what's interesting to me is that Peter is able to answer with absolute integrity and say confidently, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. When you reflect on your own situation today, we need to remember he knows All things. He knows whether or not it's a true reflection of where we're at. I know very many of you love him passionately. I've heard this passage preached on on numerous occasions. I have never heard anybody make the point that I want to make to you this morning. You see, there's an awful lot said about the question. Do you truly love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? People look at the various Greek renderings. Do you agapas me? Do you agapas me? Lord, I philios you. I ph- and we get all sorts of things out of that. And it seems to me that it's really not the point. You see, three times... Jesus says the same thing when Peter says, Yes, I love you. He says, Feed my lambs. Then he says, Feed or take care of my sheep. And the third time he says again, Feed my lambs. That's the point. Jesus knew Peter loved him. And before you step into this glorious new future, Peter, I want you to understand your primary responsibility because you love me. Your primary responsibility is the priority of my people. Feed My lambs. Is it not amazing that the man who is going to be, if you like, one of the key missionary evangelists, as we would understand it, in this encounter with Jesus isn't told, Go and tell the nations about me, go and plant great churches, go and give an honest account. In witness of me and what you've seen. No. The priority of Jesus is because you love me, feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. And that's the point. And while you're studying Greek words for love and examining that, you might unwittingly miss the point. You're meant to be feeding the sheep. Does he really mean that? That's Malcolm's job. We'll come back to that. But let me say, listen to the words. Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Jesus has a flock. Jesus is in no doubt about whose it is. He doesn't think it's your church or it's my church. He thinks it's his church. He's absolutely convinced I was the one who gave my life, paid the highest price, committed myself completely for the redemption of these people. They're mine. And if you love me, you'll take care of them. This is his church. It's always been his church. We are his sheep. He spelled it out on one occasion. John chapter 10. I'm going to read it to you deliberately. John chapter 10 and verse 11. This is what he said. About his sheep and their importance to him. He said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd. who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and it scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as my Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus says, I've got a flock. They're my sheep. And here's how you know. A true shepherd. When the flock's in danger, the shepherd doesn't run. When the flock's in danger, the shepherd stays. I thank God that I can say to you confidently, you're getting a shepherd who's going nowhere. You're getting a shepherd in Malcolm Duncan who will watch over you, who will look after you, who will protect you and will feed you. I am utterly confident of that. I thank God you've had shepherds in this church you've gone nowhere Jesus says I am the good shepherd Malcolm's coming and his responsibility as an under shepherd is to feed the sheep And he will. Because I know his commitment to the Word of God. He's not going to try to manipulate you with the Word of God. He's not going to use it for advantage. Because he has shown over years his honesty and integrity with the Word of God. And you can be confident from this platform. You will be fed the Word of God. And that's a primary responsibility that Malcolm has. He understands that. He knows it. But the point I want to make to you this morning is, you all have a responsibility. Do you love him? Then here's what Jesus says. Don't show it to me by the hours you read the Bible. Don't Show it to me by the time you spend in prayer and fasting. Don't show it to me by the way that you worship. Show it to me by making my sheep and their care the priority of your life. That's your priority. And I deliberately... Want to put that burden of responsibility on you? All I'm asking you to do is to follow the pattern that the New Testament sets us. Ephesians 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only say what is helpful for building others up in love according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That sounds like feeding, doesn't it? Building others up according to their needs. You see, I want to be around people who build me up according to my needs. I want to be around people who speak wisdom into my life, who take truth and challenge me with the truth, who help me and remind me of the truth. On down days are there to encourage me, to spur me on and to support me. I do not want to hear from people who want to say negative things or to pull me down. I'm not interested in unwholesome talk. I want to be part of a community that only says what is helpful for building one another up according to their needs. That sounds very much to me like feeding. Paul writes to the church at Colossians 3 verse 16. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another you have a responsibility to feed the lambs Romans 15 and verse 14 Paul writes you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. Hebrews three, it says, encourage one another daily. One Thessalonians five, eleven, encourage one another and build each other. That's the biblical responsibility that's on us. And it is amazing to me that following his resurrection, Jesus goes to Peter. He's concerned for the condition of Peter's soul. He wants Peter to know, I know you love me. So he asks him again and again and again, even when Peter's hurt. But he asks him in order to say this, because you love me, make the priority of your life my sheep, my flock, my lambs. Look after them. Feed them. If you love him, make the priority of your life his sheep. I've listened to loads of people through the years tell me how much they loved Jesus and how much they hated the church. I've listened to them talk about how much they love Jesus and how much they didn't like certain people in the church. Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Take care of my sheep. Are you going to build one another up? Why does it matter? It matters because the flock is under attack. It matters because there's a war that is being waged. So Jesus, when he describes himself as the good shepherd, talks immediately about an attack that comes on the flock when the wolf is coming in, seeking to scatter the sheep. This is how Paul expressed it in the King James Version. He didn't express it in the King James Version, but I'm reading to you from it. (laughs) I know some people think he did, but Acts 20 Verse 28 to 30. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock of God over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Paul understood that from without the church was going to be attacked. From within it's going to be attacked. And so he says, Shepherd the flock. Feed the church. Why? Because the one way that we protect one another from the attacks that come is by holding the Word of God in high honor. The way in which I help you to stand is that I give you His Word. I encourage you with His Word. I strengthen you with His Word. But it's not up to one man to do this. This is not Malcolm Duncan's church. He's going to be a vital part of the future. He is God's man for this time and we thank God for it. But he needs the help and support of all of you who are committed to this place. And you need to be people who speak the word of God to one another. Because you see in different ways there are people who are trying to divide the church. Peter who heard these words firsthand from Jesus, expressed it like this. If I can read these words to you from Second Peter chapter 2. There were also false prophets among the people. Just as there will be false teachers among you, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves, many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories that they have made up. Peter understands there are divisive people. Paul writes to Titus in Titus 3, 10 and 11. He says, warn a divisive man once, then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. For he is perverse, sinful. He's self-condemned. There is a war that is going on. And Jesus cares passionately for his people. The prosperity of your soul is his absolute concern. And he put us together in fellowship that we would spur one another on. That we would encourage one another daily. That we would stand for one another And what I'm saying to you is as you speak the word of God to one another, as you refuse to let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, you squeeze out the room for false teachers to come in, you make less and less place for destructive heresies to introduce themselves insidiously into the church you make less and less space because your ear is constantly hearing the Word of God being lifted up to one another. You're constantly supporting one another, encouraging one another, standing on behalf of one another. And there's a voice that needs to be heard in the church and it's the voice of the sheep giving encouragement and support and help to one another. It has been an absolute privilege for me During these past 10 months, to be able to serve you. On this, my last Sunday with you, before Malcolm takes the reins of this church, I wanted to share this word with you Feed my sheep. That's the proof that you love him. Feed my lambs. That's the proof. You're going to have an excellent role model and example in the pulpit. But the word that you hear, you're meant to stir one another with. You're meant to speak to one another. Let's not make room for insidious heresy. Let's not make room for divisive voices to come in and try to separate the sheep. Let's squeeze out those negative voices that want to drag men after themselves because what we do is pick up the Word of God and feed one another with His Word. That's how the church is meant to be. And if you get lost in John 21 with staring at Greek words for love, you might miss the point. The point is because you love Him. Your primary priority is to take care of one another as the sheep of his pasture. May God bless you richly. Amen.